0: All right, grab your Bible and open it to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. That's where we're going to begin. I'm in a, I didn't even mean to do that. I'm in a rhyming mood today. You'll notice that as we go through there, so I'll just, make, I'll just kind of make my apologies now. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we'll begin. Uh, I want to ask you to stand to your feet one more time. I know we've been up and down and up and down, but uh, we'll work your spirit, spirit and your cardio all at the same time. We want to honor God's word this morning and stand to attention. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start reading verse 1. I'm going to read about 12 verses, okay? Paul, by the way, we begin to read this. Paul is writing this letter to a church, okay? He's not writing to sinner people. Um, He's writing to a church that had done some great things for God, but that also had some problems, amen? And he's addressing some of those problems, and he's given uh, given some instruction, and he's given some warning. And so let's read what he's talking to. talking about to this church. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware, I'm reading out of the New King James, that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And he's speaking of the nation of Israel. If you go back and read throughout the book of Exodus, this is what Paul is referring to, the nation of Israel at that time. Uh, They ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things happened for our, excuse me, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them, the nation of Israel back in Moses' day, as examples. And they are written for our admonition or our instruction, you might even say our warning, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And that not only refers to the church that was in Corinth, but to us today, we are living now in the age of grace, right? We're living in the last days. However long those days will last, we're still in that last dispensation, that last period of time before Christ returns, amen? And so all of these things we read about in the Old Testament, he said, are an example for us to follow even now to the church that are in the last days. Therefore, and this is the most important verse, I think, throughout the remainder of this. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The title of my message this morning is When the Battle's Over. Father, we come to you one last time this morning before we uh, dive into this message today. Father, I I pray that every ear would be attentive, that you would speak this word into our hearts. Uh, God, we can't hear this message without spiritual ears. I pray that you might guard us against distractions of the flesh Um, Distractions of the mind I pray this morning I recognize God That there's only so much I can do uh, To inspire anybody My words by themselves are just words of man And will accomplish nothing But God through the anointing power of your Holy Spirit You can speak this word as you've spoken it to my heart You can speak it into the hearts of everybody here today And let it produce fruit God let it do something in us Let it strengthen us Let it prepare us for the battles ahead Lord that we might be victorious As you've given us great promises We pray all of these things in Jesus name Everybody give me a great big amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. All right, so let me. we're going to come back to this, but let me kind of set a stage just a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about when the battle's over. Okay, Paul now talking to these people, and that last verse, we'll come back to some of this, but that last verse, take heed uh, to him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Uh, when life, How many of you know when life gets the most comfortable, sometimes it gets the most dangerous for the child of God? Now, I want to talk, let me, let me give you a little bit of, let's talk a little bit about natural war for just a second, okay? You take a natural war, maybe let's just pick one, let's take the Revolutionary War, okay? Uh, some battles, there's, there's a war, but there's a lot of battles that take place in one big war, correct? And some battles are won, some battles are lost, but that doesn't always determine whether or not the war is won or lost, right? Right? Uh, Historian Don Haggis said this, the outcome of a war depends on far more than individual battles. Although the outcome of every battle influences the following events, only a few of those battles can completely change the the momentum of the war itself. So bottom line is there's a lot of battles. Some are won, some are lost. But one individual battle doesn't necessarily determine what the outcome of that whole war is going to be. So if you look at the Revolutionary War, for example, um, let's look at ten battles within... The Revolutionary War. First, there's the Battle of Bunker Hill, Battle of Quebec, Brandywine, the Battle of uh, Rose, uh, Rhode Island, and the Battle of Charleston. Does anybody know what those battles have in common? I'll give you a history lesson this morning. They were all battles that, the United, that, the Amer, that America lost. Okay, Big battles, and America lost them. But who won the Revolutionary War, America or Britain? America. So there was an awful lot of, and by the way, uh, Brother Dale, Brother Matt, uh, Brady, if I get any kind of my history wrong, you guys correct me afterwards, those are my history, but uh, those were all battles that the Americans lost, but they still won the war. Do you kind of see my point? They didn't lose hard, battles were lost, yes, and they were hard and people died, but in the overall picture, they won the war. There were other battles, the Battle of Trenton, Saratoga, Kings Mountain, Calpins, Yorktown, they were all battles that the Americans won, but it didn't end the war. Okay, they won. They went to Trenton and they won that battle, but they didn't say, "Oh, whew, good, we can all go home and quit now." They were still in a war. Yeah, they won that battle, but there was still more war to be fight to be fought. And in Yorktown, which even though it was the official last battle that kind of brought the Revolutionary War to an end, that we officially won, uh, war for the Americans was not over. Right? I mean, even though we won the Revolutionary War, there were many battles to come. There was the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the Civil War, the World War I and World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Gulf War, the War on Terror. And to be honest with you, there's going to be more wars to come. See, war is not just something that takes place on land. War is what takes place in the human heart. As long as there is people on the earth and as long as there is sin in the human heart, there will be war. Is that correct? Amen? Amen. Jesus forewarned us even, especially as we get closer to the end time, he said, there's there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Is that right? Um, So we see that all taking place, but those are wars that take place within the human heart. They keep going. And so some of those wars and rumors of wars that we experience and will experience are physical wars, like the ones I've just mentioned. But he's also talking about spiritual wars. And many of you know that spiritual wars are more dangerous, more deadly, more important than even the natural wars. And it's the spiritual wars and the spiritual battles that I want to talk about here today. And there's a reason. And you'll see as we go through this, uh, where I'm going with this. um, What does a spiritual battle look like? Some spiritual battles are in the form of temptation. Just simply being tempted to do something you know you're not supposed to do. Your flesh is fighting you. Okay? There's a constant battle between your spirit and what you know God wants you to do. And your flesh, and what you personally want to do, and you've always—we've always got the devil on pounding on our flesh and agging on our flesh, trying to get us to give in to the flesh. So that's a that constant battle of temptation that you and I—and that looks different for everybody. I, I, I won't be tempted by maybe something you're tempted by, and I will be tempted—you know—something I'm tempted by. You may not have any problem with, but Satan knows our buttons. He knows our weaknesses, and so he's constantly poking and pushing um, on those areas of weakness in our flesh to try to get us to give into temptation. It's a spiritual battle. We win some of those, and we lose some of those. We'll be honest with ourselves. I mean, we could be all holy. I mean, I can stand up here and be real holy and spiritual and tell you that I don't lose spiritual battles. I never give into temptation, and I'd be lying. I'd be giving into temptation right then and lying, right? i've given we all have get whatever that looks like we've in some form or fashion, we have lost the battle in temptation against the devil, but we've won many when we lose one doesn't mean we curl up in the fetal position and give up there's still more we're still in the war right so there's uh, you know uh, the spiritual battles come in the form of temptation, fear, depression, doubt, pride, lust of the flesh of every kind okay what we have to realize is that it's not our war. God and Satan, it doesn't take a theological genius to know that, that there's, a, there's good in the world and the source of that good is God and that there's evil in the world and the source of that evil is Satan. Amen? Amen. And so there's a, the battle is actually God and Satan's battle. They're at war. And they're not in a physical war. Right? They, God and Satan are in a spiritual war. They're not... God and Satan are not fighting over physical land. They're fighting over authority over all of creation that Satan ultimately has always wanted to try and take from God. Satan is after God's glory. So even when, Jesus, I mean, when Satan took Jesus uh, into the wilderness, when he was tempting him, and Satan said, if you'll bow down to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. It wasn't physical kingdoms and lands and buildings and people that, that they were uh, battling over. It was the glory and the authority over all of these things. There's a spiritual battle between them, including, I might add, our eternal soul. Because we're physical, but we're also spiritual. Our soul is eternal and will live on forever. And so there's a battle over that. Satan Satan wants to make your physical life miserable. You know that. But ultimately, he wants to destroy you spiritually for all eternity. It's a battle, a spiritual battle for our soul, ultimately, between God and the enemy. God and Satan are not physical beings. They're spiritual beings, right? So it's not a physical battle. And since we are God's creation, we're also in that same war. We're caught right smack dab in the middle of it, right? It's, and it's not a physical war for us either. Amen? We're not fighting a physical war. It is a, if we're caught in the middle of this spiritual war, it's a spiritual war that you and I are fighting. Um, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning physical bodies, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts, or the King James says, spiritual wickedness uh, in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. So Paul's saying it's not physical battle. that we're. It's, it's not people battle. Uh, it's not stuff within the world that we're fighting. It's a spiritual battle. Spiritual wickedness in high places, meaning all of the powers of hell that come against us every day. Why? Because we're in the middle of this spiritual battle. But, so what about it? What do we do with it? Since we're in a spiritual battle and we're in the flesh, does that mean that we just, rare, just kind of rear back, put our tail between our legs, curl up in the fetal position, suck our thumb and say, well, there's not anything I can do. I'm in a spiritual battle, but I'm flesh, I'm flesh and blood. What can I do? No, he said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, fight the battle. But we fight the battle not in the flesh. We fight it in the spirit. Now, let's be honest. If all we really had to deal with in life, especially as Christians, if all we had were physical battles, that would be a whole lot easier. As bad as they are, whether it be physical sickness or people coming against us, if if the battle was just physical... Then we can handle that. That would be a whole lot easier to deal with. All we have to do, all we would have to do is get more weapons and more people. Right? In a natural battle, for the most part, whoever's got the most weapons, whoever's got the most people, will win that battle. That's all we'd have to do. But in the spiritual battle, all of our physical efforts are useless. We, that's, that's why sometimes we give up, we find ourselves with nothing to fight with. We find ourselves not knowing what to do, and we, we just give up, and God said, "No, you are spiritual beings, therefore you are equipped to fight spiritual battles, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That flesh and that spirit we were talking about a minute ago, we're all spirit, we're all flesh, and there's that battle. And the, 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 the answer is really simple as far as who, win, who wins the battle, who's the strongest, right? You've always heard that, that analogy. Is your spirit stronger or is your flesh stronger? If you feed the flesh more, your flesh is going to be stronger than your spirit. If you feed the spirit more, it's going to be stronger than your flesh. What's stronger? What are you feeding the most? Nobody can answer that question but you. Are you on a day by day basis as you live life are you feeding your spirit or are you just feeding your flesh whichever one you feed the most is going to be the strongest and whichever one is the strongest is going to win the battle Now God he tried and tried Israel the the, the nation of Israel was so dumb as we are at times and and God would get so frustrated at them because these nations would come against them These nations with all of these armies would come against them and try to take them over. And it seemed like a physical battle, but it really wasn't. It was a spiritual battle. It was Satan trying to destroy the nation of Israel. You know why? Because ultimately, from the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ would be born and all of the world could be saved. It wasn't physical battles. It was spiritual battles. But the children of Israel didn't see it that way. They looked at everything from a physical natural standpoint and that always got them in a mess. So when these nations would come against them, they did what was natural to their flesh and they went to the nation of they went to Egypt or Syria, they went to these other nations to help them out, to bring their soldiers. They thought to themselves, if we just get more people, get more weapons, we'll be protected. And God took offense at that. God said, First of all, you're not fighting a spiritual, I mean a physical battle. You're fighting a spiritual battle. You're trusting in people. You're trusting in that which is physical and natural. Wouldn't it be better, since you're in a spiritual battle, to come to the head of all spirit, amen? And, and trust in me. God just wanted them, instead of trusting in their own senses and their own abilities, just to come to Him and say, God, there's nothing we can do. We trust you completely. Amen? It's the only way to fight a spiritual battle. Weapons The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says. Meaning, it's not something you can grab with a natural hand. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Simply put, spiritual battles are fought on our knees. Spiritual battles are fought when God's people learn how to pray and cry out to God and seek His face with a whole heart. That's how spiritual battles are fought. Spiritual battles are won by people uh, when, when we're rooted and grounded in the Word of God. See, the Word of God exposes the tactics of Satan, right? And it gives us instructions on how to defeat him. How do we fight? Since we're fighting a spiritual battle, we fight in the Spirit, through prayer and through the Word of God, through God to the pulling down of strongholds, amen? It's a difference of thinking. We have to, we have to change our thinking. We need a renewed mind, Amen? that we don't think from a natural fleshly standpoint all the time, but that we're looking through spiritual glasses. All of us, every one of us, have won some spiritual battles. All of us have lost some spiritual battles. And can I just encourage you today that those spiritual battles that you've lost, that you feel like you can honestly admit, I I messed that up. I failed. You might say, Satan got the upper hand on me in in that area. Don't lose heart when those battles are lost, folks, because what what God wants us to do is not Waller in the, in the failures of the past, but to just simply trust grace and prepare for the next battle, right? There's not a thing in the world any of us can do to fix yesterday. Not a thing, not a blasted thing. You can't fix yesterday. All we can do is look forward and do the best we can going forward. And so we've lost the battles, but hey, the war is, we haven't lost the war. The war is going to continue on until Jesus returns, Amen. Some, within this church, just within this little group of believers, the battles that many of us have gone through, even just within the past year, great spiritual battles, many of them manifest themselves in a physical way, but ultimately they're, they're spiritual battles in the way that the enemy has fought against some of you folks. You, you recently come through great battles, and right now you're experiencing great victory. It's been exciting to hear the personal testimony from some of you that have literally been through the trenches, but God is doing such a great thing in you. You've weathered that battle and and, and God is healing you and you're getting stronger and that's that's fantastic. Some of you are are maybe still picking up the broken pieces. You've been in a battle and you're still trying to sort it all out. Some of you sitting here today may still be in the heat of the battle. My encouragement to you, I want to talk mostly about when we've come through the battle and victory but I want you just to stop for a second and give encouragement to those of you that that may still be in the middle of the battle whatever your battle looks like it's bigger than you it's stronger than you and maybe you've come to the point of despair and you don't know what to do and maybe this message is is just absolutely a godsend and it's exactly what you need to move forward can I encourage you this morning number one don't despair in the battle don't give up don't get don't despair and feel like all is hopeless Okay, stand strong. Be courageous. You're you're a soldier for Christ. There are going to be battles. You're not different than all the rest of the world. That's what the the devil wants to make us feel like. What's wrong with me? Why am I going through this? Nobody else faces this. Yes, we do. Okay, you're in the battle. It's going to happen. But let me tell you something. That battle will not last forever. There is victory on the other side of that battle. God will be faithful. We sung about it today. God is faithful to fight for those who put their trust in Him. He'll fight for you, but you just got to trust Him. you got to be like that child that just comes to the Father and puts all of their trust. He said, come to me like little children. Trust me, I'll fight your battles for you. You may be wounded, but you're not dead. Amen? Paul said in Corinthians, We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. What is he ultimately saying? We've lost a few battles. We've taken some hits. Satan's hit us hard in one way or the other, but we're still fighting. We're still victorious. We're still strong. God is still faithful. We're not destroyed. We're wounded, but we're not dead. Right. Hallelujah. You can, you can be at peace in the middle of the battlefield. Okay, Meaning, life can be absolutely chaotic. Everything can be, your whole world can be tumbling down around you. But when you found that place in Christ, you can be at peace. But, but folks, when we need to understand, you, you can, on the opposite side of that, you can be on vacation in Hawaii when everything is peaceful and have turmoil on the inside, right? Peace isn't necessarily based on our circumstances and our surroundings. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle but in the middle of that battle, God can bring us a peace and a calm and a trust. Folks, when we learn to trust Jesus like we really are supposed to trust Jesus, you won't fear anything. I, I believe that. I know, I, know, I know we're learning and we're growing and nobody's perfect, but God can change and He can do things for us. So uh, so stay, stay encouraged when you're fighting the battle. But for those of, those of you that have endured great battles maybe lately or within your life and, and you're in a period of healing and, and you're, you're just kind of riding the wave. You know, the, the life is full of uh, valleys and mountains, right? We hit the mountain. Things are good in life and, and our faith is strong. Oh man, I, I trust God and, and God's doing great things and everything's good and then it doesn't always take long for us to be in the valley. Something comes along, life throws us a curve and we find ourselves in the valley where it seems like everywhere we go we can't find our faith, Right? And we're wondering where's God and we're wondering why. And then, and then God brings us up on the mountain and things are good again. And, and, and it's just going to be like that throughout the remainder of our life. It's just going to be like that. There's battles, there's victories, there's losses, there's battles. But again, just remember when you've come through these battles and God has done great things that the war is not over. The war is not over. There's, there's a great danger in becoming comfortable Amen. Jesus in that wilderness as Satan tempted him, and, and those temptations were hard. Don't think for a second, it was easy for Jesus. He wore, a, he wore a human body just like you and I got. And it was hard for him as Satan was attacking his flesh, but Satan or I mean Jesus came out victorious, you know why? Because he fought Satan in the spirit. You're telling me this, but the word of God says this. You're telling me this, but the Word of God says this. He fought in the Spirit, and He won that battle. And the Bible says that when He came out of the wilderness, and, and the devil left Him for a season. What does that mean? It means that Jesus won that battle, but it showed that there were more battles to come. Right? He won for a season, but He was ready and preparing for the next one. Um, there's, by the way, there's only going to be one battle that you and I face, in which after it's over, we can just let our guard down and just take our rest, and that's going to be the battle of Armageddon. Amen? That final battle, when Jesus returns, and he puts Satan in his place, defeats the Antichrist, and the whole bit, that battle, when Jesus comes and sets up his throne on this earth and sets everything straight, then we can rest. Amen? Then we can know that we don't have to battle anymore. But until then, there's more battles to come. When today's battle is over, here's what I believe we ought to do. When you've been through a battle and you weathered it and God brings you, well, I mean, whether you won it or whether you lost it, it's over. We need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. We need to praise God for being faithful to us and bringing us through that grace. Just enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy the fact that your Creator, your Heavenly Father, your Redeemer thanks enough of you and, and, and is committed to you to bring you through every battle. We need to rest in our soul and praise God and, and be joyous in that victory, but we need to do it while we're preparing for tomorrow's battle. Today's battles come, they go, but there's always going to be another one tomorrow. The Word of God, the Word of God is full. And this is kind of, I guess, what birthed this, uh, this message in my heart because all of these... These scenarios, these situations within the Word of God were kind of coming to me, and I, I saw a, a link uh, in them that I guess I had never really noticed before. Uh, and the Word of God, I mean, the Word of God is full of, of examples of what happens when God's people get comfortable um, when the battle's over, and they fail to look forward and be in training for the next battle. So let me give you a couple of exa- examples. Number one, in Israel, and in this scripture, Paul is referring to it when he says... Um, uh, do not become idolaters as were some of them, the nation of Israel. As, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And he's referring to the golden calf scenario, right? And so, so Israel, uh, they, saw, they were in a battle, right? And God fought that battle. They didn't even fight anything. But they come through the Red Sea. And their enemies were literally drowned before them. Great victory they experienced. Only days later to be bowing down to a golden calf that they created and giving that calf. How does that happen? Right? They literally went from the Red, the Red Sea split in half to the worship of the golden calf. Rhyme number one. David went from victory to adultery. Rhyme number two. Elijah went from Mount Car- the, the Mount Carmel rave to the self-pity cave. That's my favorite. I, I tell you guys, I work hard for you guys to make sure that I come up with things that help stick in your mind. Uh, Noah went from flood to dud. <laughs> Solomon went from wisdom to just plain dumb. Uh, disciples went from risen to prison. And Paul went from revival to survival. Now, my point in all of that is this. Great victories are always followed by greater battles. Okay? Okay? And so in these pictures, I'm not going to go into all these details, but again, Israel went from this great victory in the Red Sea to now worshiping, giving in to temptation, and losing a great spiritual battle in which they're giving this golden calf all of God's glory, and it cost them dearly. They weren't ready for that next, next battle. David... David was a warrior. David was a fighter since he was a kid. He was always in battle and doing the work of God. But there came a point, the Bible says, when it says, when all the kings went to battle, guess what David did that particular time? He stayed home. He decided to just take his ease and rest and set this battle out. And it was during that period of time where he looks out. Out of off of the top of his roof, he looks out of his window and he sees a woman in a couple of houses over on her roof, naked and bathing, and he lusted after her. He found himself in the middle of a spiritual battle that if you read the story, you know he lost it. That was a battle he lost. Not only did he commit adultery with this woman, but they had a baby. He tried to cover it up by having this woman's husband uh, murdered. So it, was just, it was just a slippery slope, which is the way sin works, right? You give in to one sin, it's easier to give in to the next one, so on and so forth. But the, the bottom line was this. He went from victory, great victories, to adultery, meaning he just he set that battle out. And there, we're, we're going to be in a spiritual battle until Jesus comes back. We, there's, we can't set any battles out. I know it's hard. It's difficult to fight these spiritual battles. And there's times, hellish battles. Gosh, I have fought such hellish battles, whether it's a, a, just a mental attack or a physical attack or you, you name it and you think how in the world can I it's hard but we, we just put our trust in God we endure it and then we always are on guard for the next one there, there's just no place to, to take, take off a battle there's no place to stop and get comfortable where we're at in Christ the second we start getting cocky take heed when you think you stand lest you fall take warning that when you think everything is great And now I can just kind of coast into heaven from here. He said, no, 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 no! don't think that way. You have to take heed because when you think you're standing, you just might fall. There might be another battle. There will be another battle and it might be the one that causes you to fall just simply because you wasn't prepared for it. Elijah on that mountain, God literally dumping fire from heaven and consuming these sacrifices and God just showed out in a mighty way and then we find we find Elijah, you know, he's, he's riding a mountaintop. say, so, man, this is awesome. I'm calling to... I mean, you, let, let's be honest. If you were going head-to-head maybe with a group of atheists, evolutionists, you're saying, no, no, Jesus is God. They're saying, no, there is no God. And, and you, you build up this altar, and you say, okay, whichever... God, of course, you don't have a God, so you can't pray to anybody, but uh, I'm going to pray to my God, and, and whichever God answers by fire and just burns all this up, we'll all know that it's God. And you pray and say, Jesus, Lord, would you just please consume the sacrifice? And, whoosh, fire just falls from heaven, the sacrifice is gone. You'd be you'd be pretty cocky, right? I mean, you'd be walking tall. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I called on God, I won. It was a battle, we won. But And, and, and I'm not saying that Elijah got cocky, but we do find where just right after that happened, There was a battle that just come right on the heels. Every great victory leads to a greater battle, right? And so now Jezebel, the most powerful woman in in, in the world, basically, has put out the message that she's going to kill Elijah. So now he finds himself curled up in the fetal position, hiding out in a cave, just praying and asking God to kill him. God, I just want to die. It's a great victory, but wasn't really exactly ready for the next battle. Have you ever found yourself in that spot, maybe I'm the only one. I found myself in those places before. Noah, great victory, the flood comes, God spares him, uses him to redo, uh, uh, repopulate the world, and then we find him drunk in his tent later on in Scripture. Solomon, wisest guy ever to live, only to come to a place where his wisdom actually turned his heart away from God as he began to put, he began to allow um, uh, ungodly women and, and strange women, meaning. Pagan idol worshipping women to influence him. The disciples, one of the 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 great, the disciples you find we find they're on a roller coaster. I mean, they're they're excited. They're with Jesus. They think he's going to be the Messiah that that knocks the Romans out. And now, boom, they're in the valley because Jesus is dead, right? And now, boom, they're up on the mountain because Jesus is alive again, right? Jesus has risen, and as Jesus explains the Scripture to them. The Bible says they have great joy because Jesus explains the Scripture and now suddenly they understand what this whole death, burial, and resurrection was all about. So they're, they're riding high. Great victory. Their, their Lord and Savior has just conquered death. So they're walking tall and nothing, nothing can get us now and then we find just a, just a day or two later they're facing prison. They're facing chains and they're facing whips on their back. They're facing literally facing death from risen to prison, because that battle wasn't over yet. There was, that battle was over, but the war wasn't over yet. And they, folks, the, the disciples, Let me say, read, read the book of Acts. Read it, only oh, read the whole Bible, but, but read through the book of Acts. These people, these Christians just set it in their mind that they're in a war and it's going to be like that until they either die or Jesus comes back. And so that that's how they had the strength to endure the things that they had to endure. We get, man, we're ready to give up when just one little prayer doesn't get answered the way that we want it to get. Right? We've, we've just kind of become spoiled in, in the church of Jesus Christ. We've become a little whiny. And if we read through there, there was a warning in there. Did you catch it? About complaining, right? And whining. And we're just always ready to give up on God because... Something's not going our, our way. But man, when you read these, they just said it in their mind. We are in a war and it's going to be that way until Jesus comes back. And I'll have plenty of, time, plenty of time to rest then. My message to you this morning is just don't get comfortable. Take up your sword. Amen. Yeah. Take up your shield of faith. And just be willing to fight this battle in the spirit. Get Rub up and get as close to Jesus as you can. Get as filled with His Spirit as you possibly can. Seek Him as much as you possibly can. Hallelujah. Not just out of some religious obligation, but because you see how much you desperately need Him. You recognize that you're you're fighting an enemy that is way, way stronger than you are. And you need somebody to fight for you. Amen? Until that war is over, remember this. I'm going to leave you with these a few scriptures here, these thoughts. First Chronicles chapter 5, verses 20 through 22, having to do with, again, Israel, God's people that have found themselves in the midst of battle. So they were helped against them, and the Hagrites were delivered into their hand. And all who were with them, this is why, for they cried out to God in the battle. Amen? Always remember to cry out to God in the battle. And can I encourage you today to know that every single time you cry out to God, He hears you? Please don't believe the lie that God's not hearing you. I know the circumstances may not be changing right away, but can I encourage you to know that when you cry out to God in the middle of a spiritual battle, God is hearing. And He is working on your behalf. Why? Because God is faithful that way. They cried out to God in the battle. He, He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in Him. Many fell dead because the war was God's. I like that. God came through for them. They cried out to God in the war and God was faithful because, number one, it's God's war. It's not our war. David said the same thing, if you'll remember, as he stood before Goliath. He said, it was all the assembly come together. And the Lord said, said, you shall know that the Lord does not say with the sword or the spear... In other words, a physical weapon. David understood as he stood before Goliath and was getting ready to fight this this big giant that was three times his size, David viewed that battle as a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Sure, it manifested itself in the physical because it's a literal man, but David said, I am not going to defeat you with my sword, and with my spear, and even my slingshot. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, right? For the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into our hands. David recognized, hey, I'm caught in the middle of this war and God's just going to use me. This is God's war, we'll let him fight it. Hallelujah. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, but two of them I'm going to read to you this morning. Psalm 1839, David said to God, for God, you have armed me with strength for the battle. You're not weak. I know you feel weak and in your flesh you are. What does the scripture say about us when we are weak? He is strong. God, you have armed me with strength for the battle. When you hear the lie that comes, when, when Satan, Satan likes to whisper, sometimes he thunders, sometimes he whispers. And when Satan comes to whisper, and, and you hear that voice that just simply says, I don't have the strength, I can't do this anymore, let the Spirit of God speak louder to you. And remember, you do have strength for the battle. You have, God, you have armed me with strength for the battle. You've not armed me with swords and shields and men and chariots and horses. When God first called David, the Bible says that Samuel poured the oil of anointing over David. It says that the Spirit of the Lord was upon David from that day forward it was in the spirit that david stood before goliath Hallelujah. spirit can do great and mighty things for vessels and people who are just willing to yield to him and trust him and then in psalm 140 verse 7 he said david says this "O oh god the lord the strength of my salvation you have covered my head in the day of battle you have covered my head in the day of battle david was according to god David was a man after God's own heart. But David lost a battle or two. God didn't bail on him. God didn't give up on him. Why? Because that was one battle in the midst of a war. There were many battles, many more battles to fight. And I don't know what your next battle is. I don't know what my next battle is, per se. Um, But I can... Promise, I don't have to be a prophet to promise you that there'll be another one. There will be one. If you're not in one right now, there's going to be another battle. I don't know what it's going to look like. I pray that you win it. I pray that you seek God and that you're prepared for whatever comes, and that only comes by seeking God and being prepared for whatever comes. Right? I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. I can't prepare Matt for his next battle. I can help. I I can can preach to him like I'm doing now, and I can pray for him and encourage him. But ultimately. Matt has to prepare for his next battle. The encouragement is, and we know this, I mean, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know, according to if you read the Bible or know anything about the Bible at all, that we know we're going to win the war. The war is already won. You know why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. So the war is already won. Every battle, natural war that that nations enter into, they don't know what the outcome of that war is going to be. But we're fighting in a battle, fighting in a war, that we do know what the outcome is of the war will be Jesus Christ has already won Has he conquered death hell and the grave and because we're on Jesus side, well yeah because I start to say because he's on our side but he's not on our side we're on his side because we're on Jesus side we know when we can be confident that in the end we win this war life is just a vapor it's a short period of time some of these battles we talked about some battles that lasted for days and maybe even weeks. Bloody battles. I can't imagine what was going through these guys' minds. as they're in there. But those battles have long been over. Battles come, battles go, but God remains faithful. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning, please? Hallelujah. Every head bowed if you don't care, and every eye closed. I just want to appeal to your spirit this morning. I'm not. I'm not trying to, to tickle your flesh, or. Um, I, I just want you. This morning, each individual to kind of come to, I guess, maybe a, a bit of a transition in your life where you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you start seeing things more the way He sees them. To start looking at things, everything in your life, from more of a spiritual perspective.